It was a very low key kind of setup that we had going on this year, right? Not even a lot of family things going on. So just easy peasy Christmas thing to be ready for. And uh, we're not even really going anywhere except my aunt's house. And that's going to be low key. So that's it. Not much to prepare for. What it's going to be low key. Ah. Oh, I see what you did there. And you're right. Because literally we're going to my aunt's house to just watch low key. That's all we're doing. <laughs> we're not even going to celebrate a holiday of any kind. Right. All right. What about you guys? Uh, Christmas shopping was a lot. I uh, had to get a lot of siblings and uh, had to get a lot of, you know, parents gifts and what have you. So mm-hmm. it was quite the shopping experience. But this year, my theme was like, just go with what works. Don't don't put too much thought into it. Just if it looks good, just go with it. And so because this year has been chaotically busy for me. So um, but but a different type of busy. Normally I'm busy and just crazy busy. But this time I'm busy, but with purpose. So, so uh, lots of th- lots of crazy things going on at work, but uh, yeah. So it left me very little time to do Christmas shopping. But like I said, my theme was, hey, I'm gonna look at this and just be like, hey, this works. I'm not gonna think too much on it and just go with it. So when you say busy with purpose, does that mean like other years you've been busy and it's been kind of a chaotic thing, whereas this year you're busy but you're in control? You know what? You could not have more aptly put that together and like stated it that way. So yeah, that's a that's a hundred percent what's going on. I like that, man. I'm glad to hear that too. That's Thank awesome. You. Thank you. So here we are. Here we are. Welcome to Infinity Rewatch. I'm mm-hmm. Andrew Fantasia, and I'm wearing blue because this is a DC show, and that's the color of DC, right? That's where we're, we're talking about our five favorite members of the Green Lantern Corps. Is that what's happening, or did I cross uh... some wires? You have literally laid down the most blasphemy. No, it's just, um, I mean, one day, you never know. We might do now with uh, Mr. Gunn over on the DC side when the DC universe kicks off. Maybe we'll have a, a DCU, <laughs> DCU rewatch. <laughs> and who are you? I don't know your name yet because you haven't said it out loud. That's true. I, I tend to reserve my name because people know what it is and call it out loud. Like my, like my beautiful wife. Yes, love. <laughs> So there you go. So she can, you will do. All right. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, all right. So you now know my name, which is Ryan J. Marvel. And uh, yeah, we're here for some Infinity Rewatch action. We sure are. And it's not just an Infinity Rewatch. It's our holiday Infinity Rewatch, uh, our holiday special of the year. And uh, I wanted to take note because uh, last time, do you remember how we talked, Ryan, about how uh, I had never kept track of how many episodes we'd done, and then I wanted to start doing so, right? Correct. So I've uh, I've started to do that, and I'm trying to find where our – oh, yeah, here it is. So what you're listening to and or watching right now, just so everybody is clear, is episode 107 of Infinity Rewatch, which is our 2023 holiday special i accidentally put 2024 in the description because i'm a dumb dumb but (laughs) it's not 2024 yet unless you're listening to this in the future in which case you're you're on the spot you're more on the spot than i am you're listening to it at the time that it says to listen to it ah there you go and we have a cool feature plan for our holiday special that ryan thought up of um but before we get to it i want to bring up um 
just a small news thing that has come up lately that I wanted to share because it's made me excited. Uh, and that is in regards to the Agatha television show. Okay. So Ryan, this thing has had more names than our mutual friend, Coasty. Okay. <laughs> this show has gone through so many name changes. Uh, we knew a guy who went through a bunch, but this show just took the, the crown from him. <laughs> uh, it started off being called Agatha Coven. Uh, no, sorry, Agatha House of Harkness. Yeah, that was the first name. That's right. And then at some point they went ar, 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 scratch that. It's now called Agatha Coven of Chaos, which I don't know about you, but I thought is a cooler name than House of Harkness. Yeah. Then about a month or two ago, they said nope. We lied. It's actually going to be called Agatha Darkhold Diaries. And now, about a week or two ago, uh, maybe even less, they once again smiled at us, shook their heads, and said, that is wrong. The show is now called Agatha All Along. Ryan, what's, uh, what are your opinion on these four different names? Um. I'm I'm a bit confused. Uh, <laughs> honestly, actually, to be fair, I've been a little out of the loop. I have not been able to keep my finger on the pulse of Marvel lately, so I'm a, I'm a little. I am I caught up some more recent news, but um, but going to speaking to Agatha's series names. Uh, you know, I know you did a video on your YouTube channel a long time ago where you talked about the naming conventions of movies mm. and how you're a fan of you're a fan of the numbers. Yes, um, I am. Uh, but I'm a I'm a fan of like clever names, you know, and, and like, and I I always reference how like with um I always reference how you know for example when they did the solo movie they just called it solo, and I'm just like I, with the plot line I'm like you should just call it solo the Kessel Run or something like that right something that like indicates where the story is going because that's what it was all about apparently, um so. I really like the Coven of Chaos. I like the double alliteration too that they kind of did with the the subtitle there. Uh, I guess the House House of Harkness didn't didn't stand out in my opinion. It was kind of like eh. It's kind of like you just named it for naming its sake. But Coven of Chaos sounds like it had some thought to it and like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna really get into some stuff. But yeah, they kept changing it, and now and Darkhold Diaries just is like uh sounds like vampire diaries and i'm just not not for that at all um but landing on what they did which is uh which is agatha and sorry what is it called again it's the agatha all along agatha all along it just seems so it seems so lackluster like it's because it's like like because like that was the that was the name of her clever theme song you know and like the the whole thing uh but like it's kind of it goes it harkens back to my why is the rum gone joke like it's funny the first time but then it starts to play on a bit too much so now they're naming the entire series off of a little like hilarious moment and it's like the why is the rum gone joke you know that's what it feels like so i wish they just kept the coven of chaos i think that really encapsulates the whole thing but to be fair to marvel i don't want to just pure critique here without giving them some some uh giving them some uh, credit in the sense of like, they know what story they're telling. So if the, st if, if the title of it was it's Agatha all along, 
then hopefully the story plays to that subtitle. Like if you're going to name it that, it, there better be a darn good reason within that story that's going to connect everything all together. Yeah, I hope that happens. Uh, so you would say Covenant of Chaos is your favorite of those four? Oh, 100%. Covenant of Chaos. Yeah, absolutely. Just it sounds like a Marvel show. You know what I mean? Like it, it sounds like a comic book you pick up off the ground kind of thing. Like, all right, yeah. let's, let's see where this is going. Yeah, I, I really liked Covenant of Chaos. And I, like I was digging it when they changed it to Covenant of Chaos. When the Darkhold Diaries name came out, I was kind of in the same boat as you. I was like, man, that sounds like a Disney Channel sitcom. Yeah. Like, dear diary, being a witch in, in grade nine is so uncool. Like, I, I, that's what it sounded like to me. And I'm like, no, no, thank you. Um, but I got to admit, I really like Agatha all along as a title, especially if, like you just said, especially if they use it, especially if it's not just there to be clever, but it's there where in hindsight, once we've seen the whole show, we can look back and be like, oh, damn, that's why they called it Agatha all along. That's just a great little cherry on top of the Sunday. So I hope that's what they're going for. I think it has the same people behind it as WandaVision. So we know it's going to be a smart show. Yes. Uh, so I think that we're in good hands with that. And we might end up having that very same thing happen where we might look and say, wow, that's why they called it Agatha all along. So I, I dig this title change. I hope it's the final one. Um, that show is supposed to come out this coming Halloween. So we'll see what happens with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and breaking news, this just in, actually. Kevin Feige announces next Marvel movie, Shang-Chi, colon, why is the rum gone? So you're onto something there, my friend. Oh, man. there's There was a fraction of a second I was following you on that. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> they announced Shang-Chi. And yeah. Yeah, that'll be next year. He wants to he wants to figure out where all the rum went. And that's the whole story. He's tracking it down. Him it's and his terrible. little what? it's just like why like why is the rum gone? Like, you know, make me laugh once, great, make me laugh twice, ho ho. You know, jokes on me. <laughs> make me laugh three times, jokes on you. Do you have is there a running joke in pop culture that you can think of that you do like you were like, oh, I love that they kept that joke going, like it. It kept being funny. Mm, not that I can think of off the top of my head, but I'll get if it comes to me, I'll let you know. But I can't think of anything at this particular moment. What about like one that stands out to me that always makes me laugh is Jazz getting thrown out of the house in Fresh Prince. Now, uh, even though you can always see it coming, like I always like I can't wait to see this guy get thrown out of the house. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, uh, you know what? Actually, I'll give you I'll give you one that plays to your home. Uh, the, you know, the Homer doing the white little, you know, like mm, yeah, <laughs> that was good actually. And it's funny too. Small, small, hilarious note there is there is a band. Remind me to tell you a little bit later called Dankmas. I don't know if you've heard about them, Dankness. but they take Simpsons sounds clips and make dance music out of it. Oh my god! <laughs> wow, it's a thing, and it's it's. If listeners, if you're a Simpsons fan, you need to even if you're even if you watch Simpsons in the past, you need to listen to it. It's really funny. So it's like they give Simpsons the treatment of they're taking the Hobbits to Isengard, like like that. Essentially, they make like a oh wow. That There's one nice. where Ned talks about his his beatnik parents, and <laughs> it's really good. 
it's so <laughs> funny uh, it's it's literally if you wanted club music if, if ever a club wanted to bring out andrew fantasia that's what they would play that's 100 percent what they would play it's I'm, it's so freaking good i'm keeping that in mind if yeah. i ever become a boxer i'm gonna be like listen when i enter the arena just play something from dankness okay <laughs> And they'll be like, sir, why are you boxing? You weigh like 140 pounds. Just stop. You're going to die tonight. I'm like, no, no, put me out there. I'm ready. Well, like the, the one song is just like, you know, the, the beatnik parents. It's like, uh, it goes, uh, it's like telling, uh, what's his name, to go boom, boom, bam, 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 right? And then, but the whole song is boom, boom, bam, 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 bam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times. <laughs> I hope The Simpsons uh, lives forever. I really hope it does. Uh, they actually just celebrated their 750th episode, Ryan, as well as the anniversary. I think the anniversary of when they started was like two days ago because they started with the Christmas episode. At this point, 100% of this point, 750, I would just say at 1,000, just stop. Just, you got to stop. As oh, much yeah. as I'd like them to go on forever, a thousand is a good round number and you might as well just hang your hat and say, you know what? We're enough. We did it. We we went out and did this thing and it was great. We had a good time. We can hang our hats proudly. If they can make it to a thousand, I agree, man. hundred percent. Let that be the capstone to the greatest legacy of television. Just let it end there. Yeah. Um, they do about 20, roughly 23 episodes per season. So in order for them to get to a thousand, who's good at math? Not me. Let's see. <laughs> Not it. <laughs> Calculator time. All right. 1,000. No. So they have, they need 250 episodes left to get to a thousand. Right. Okay. So 250 divided by, let's say 23 is 10.8. So they need to be on for about 11 more years before they can reach a thousand. Wow. I don't know if the actors have it in them, man. They're getting old. I I will be two years away from fifty if they get. To oh! <laughs> oh my god, I'm old. And the crazy thing is that unlike the characters we're about to talk about, The Simpsons has gone 750 episodes without a whole lot of character arcs and character growth. They just let it ride, old-fashioned sitcom style. Yeah. Right crazy crazy world we live in but uh but you know what like you know the same can be made about the mcu people are like man i'm getting tired of the mcu now they've done a whole saga and now we got a whole nother saga and here we are <laughs> and people are getting i'm i'm like legit feeling the air in i'm feeling the air and i'm like i'm i can feel people just like starting to be like you know what had a good ride it's been fun this needs to stop. But I'm like, no, this could go. I want them to at least get to Secret Wars and finish it there. And then you could take a you can take a healthy break. But as long as you can get to, but but don't stop. Just take a healthy break. You've done great. You know, take a moment to collect yourselves. And let's go from there. In my perfect world, in the same way that I would love Simpsons to get to a thousand, I would love three sagas. And then wrap it up. Three is a good number. It's right? good. It's good holy number. You know, it's 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 like three. You did it. You know, one, two, three. That's yeah. It. And every saga has had three phases anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So 
end with phase nine, end with whatever that is, mutant saga or whatever, but <laughs> excuse me, put a cap on it right there. That's it. You know, we had a good run. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why, even though Toy Story 4 is fine, they should have stopped after three. Right? Let's see. Okay. <laughs> I have one, I have one little like stipulation with that. Okay. Yes. If you're gonna do a fourth, if you're gonna do a fourth, or like because obviously they're gonna try for like another trilogy, but if you're gonna do four, four has got to be like, like kind of um, how do I phrase this? Like for example, you do Halo one, two, and three, right? Mm -hmm. Then you should call the fourth one Halo Infinite, and just leave and like leave it as like the aftermath of the world, and you know, and leave it in the realm of like talk up some things that may have been not wrapped up, and then kind of leave it as like the realm of possibilities, right? And just leave it at that. Oh, okay. and, and leave it as like an ongoing thing, right? Oh, okay. See, I'm I'm in the opposite camp. I think I think if you're gonna do, and now granted, I'm about to talk out of my ass here because I don't I've never played Halo, so I don't know the story. But using yeah. I'm gonna piggyback on your example. If you make three Halo movies and you make a fourth Halo movie, in my opinion, because you used the popularity of Halo and piggybacked on that you owe it to yourself to call it Halo 4 and make it worthy of standing with the first three, right? You you make it feel like part of the puzzle. That's yeah. why I hate the, the title they used for the new uh, Beverly Hills Cop 4 that's coming out next year. That title is just, it seems like a title somebody would use on The Simpsons if they're making fun of movies with bad titles. <laughs> it's i mean i hear you don't get me wrong um i definitely i hear you but like you know star wars is another good example let's say you know you had only four five and six right mm -hmm. let's say that was it that was the only star wars you got then you had a subgenre of stories that you that kind of like is the aftermath of star wars and the best one the best way to tell that story and kind of like leave it as a fourth film is the dark forces games right with kyle katarn mm -hmm. because it's 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 all about the aftermath through this one character and it 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 kind of leaves it as like yeah there's jedis out there and guess what you're a jedi your parents been killed and then you kind of tapping into the jedi world and trying to trying to find your place in that universe and that's the story of dark forces in a nutshell it's like that's right. it and it's perfect, right? And it and it leaves you with okay, this is what the world's going to be like at, with the aftermath of this big massive trilogy. So that's why I'm kind of on that boat. But uh, it's it's a hard conversation to really like land on and say like this is the solution. But like I'm I'm a, I'm agree I'm in agreement with you that like Toy Story is like one, two, and three should have left it there. Like four was funny and it was fun and it was it, it hit in the feels. But could you live without it? Right. Exactly. And I do like that they called it Toy Story 4. And I I think going with what you said, yeah, Dark Forces, that, that could be the fact that it's its own thing. Totally cool. Um, if, if they made another movie set in the Toy Story universe, just about a totally different group of toys that belong to some other kid, you can call it Toy Story Dark Forces. That's cool. 
right? uh, but if you're gonna make another movie about Woody and Buzz and Rex and Potato Head and whatever and call that one Toy Story colon Axel F, then we got a problem. Then it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, no, so, you can call you can call this like alternatives Toy Story World, like Toy Story and the Island of Misfit Toys, right? Like yeah. something like that, Ooh, right? That way you know it's like living in the world and you get to see a different lens of it. But at the same time, like you do not touch the trilogy, but you can use the events of the trilogy to influence whatever story you're telling from there on in. That's why I love Ahsoka. That's why I love like a Mandalorian. It's it's all based on events, but it's 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 a it's expanding. It's expanding the world, but leaving right. that trilogy the way it was. Right. Yeah. And expansions are a difference. They, they can play a little bit more fast than those. But if you're a direct sequel, use a number four. That's what it's there for. <laughs> uh, it's like the angry nerd said, and I couldn't put it better. He says, it's like they're embarrassed that they made so many. That's why they stopped using numbers. That's a great call out. That's uh, a great call out. So... Ryan, you came up with this great idea for a holiday special today. What are we talking about? So today we're going to be talking about uh, this is a this is a really interesting subject to me, and we're talking about ranking, in our opinion, what we think are the best story arcs thus far in the MCU. Because if you think about it, especially when you look at the the next saga, the multiverse saga, if you will. Um, they really kind of like started off these different arcs left, right, and center. And there's so many shooting out in different directions. Now, what we love about the first one is how full circle each saw, like each character arc is. But it doesn't mean it's over. It just means the circle is expanding, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I wanted to take this opportunity for us to just, not in any particular order, like a top five, because like I just, I just like saying that like hey these are top ones i think are really cool and here's why so there's there, unless you did rank them which that's that's entirely your I way did. of doing it bro i did but like rank my... me the way i see it is like hey like let's let's take a look at what we think are some great story arcs within marvel right now and like you know maybe even sprinkle in a little bit of like why they're great and why they could be even better i love that and that's such a great idea and it's so it fits the holiday theme perfectly because it it's the end of a year. It's the wrapping up of the 2023 story arc, right? That's so, it. Beautiful. Um, so how about we do it in the uh, the classic style where if you and I share a same pick, we, oh, but then you didn't rank yours, so we might not need to do this. But I was going to say, if let's say you and I both thought Heimdall had one of the five best story arcs, if you say Heimdall as like your number four and I say him for my number one. We wait till we get to the number one before we talk about it. You know what I mean? We wait till both of us had mentioned him before we talk about it. Does that make sense? I think so. So, so you, so we both go through our lists and then we go, Oh, okay. Once we get like, once one of us gets to the same person, Exactly. So if you say like my number four is Heimdall, I'd be like, hold that thought. We'll talk about Heimdall soon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I sorry I phrased it so wrong. But uh <laughs> all right. So why don't you go first, sir? Oh boy. Um okay, where do where do I want to start? <laughs> where do I want to start? You know what? I'll start with a healthy entry here. This is a healthy entry. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll say that 
I'm going to say Kate Bishop is one of my Ooh. leading uh, leading entries in the I top love that. character arcs. Uh, and and the reason because Kate Bishop is going to, in my opinion, could be could be the best kind of Rosetta Stone or like anchor to really build out the street level mafia, uh, like the the street level heroes, all that stuff. Because you know she is a good bridge from coming from the Avengers to being inspired by Hawkeye right into like this new world of like taking on these street level heroes the way she does. Mm -hmm. And I think she's a perfect character for it, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, the, the hero with no powers, you know, meeting all these new heroes that may have, or may or may not have powers like Luke Cage, for example, like, you know, running into Luke Cage, this guy with indestructible skin, that would be a great way to like, you know, introduce characters, but like her, like running around recruiting or like learning about the, the, learning about the street level heroes who may not get the same recognition as they would with like being on the Avengers. And it's, and I also think for her, like the going into the evil side of things, like, of course she had direct conflict with Kingpin, which is like, that was, that was what we needed in Disney plus. Like let's, let's introduce these characters. Let's really fill them out. And, and to be fair, I am excited about echo because Echo is really going to start building out some some of the, the evil side of the MCU in terms of street level. But she's coming from like a Punisher anti-hero approach. So the reason why I didn't rank her rank her in in my top story arcs is because I think she's more full, like she's gonna have a more closed loop story by having just really Daredevil and Kingpin and her and having that rotation. Mm -hmm. But like it's it's more about her getting revenge on Kingpin, but you're not gonna because revenge stories are very tunnel vision and and Daredevil may interject, but it's still like she's not gonna broaden the perspective. She's gonna narrow it by keeping it focused on her relationship with Kingpin and then on top of that, like trying to get revenge and sort everything out, right? Uh, whereas Kate Bishop being this hero and new hero, uh, she's going to obviously, you know, she can't just run down Kingpin. She's going to have to run down different groups. She's going to have to run into different people. And on top of that, Kingpin may send like, you know, hired, like hired villains that will have the quirks like Shocker, for example. She might, she might bring back Shocker. She might, you know, bring, uh, she might bring in Scorpion. You never know. Like Ooh, you finally, just... what? Finally. Right? Like, we need to use him. We, we've seen him. We know he exists in Spider-Man 1. But, like, why aren't we bringing him in? And I think Kate Bishop's perfect for it. And she can even weave in with Spider-Man. Like, it's it's just, I, I really am excited about her story arc because of, like, her, like, and it, it's a cheesy moment, but it's a moment that speaks to a lot of us that have read comic books and stuff. Is like, you know, when, when she sees Hawkeye, just this like literally Archer falling off the building and fighting the alien invasion, that really inspires her. And that that inspiration could lead to her being this like super, super hero. Um, but like the exposure she can get in the street level could be just so cool. And like you could do weird one-offs, you know what I mean? Like there's so many characters in the Marvel universe you could do weird one-offs with. Like you could bring in Night Thrasher, you know, for example. Yeah. Uh, like random, random characters that we know from the comics, and you can find ways to like tie her story uh, and have these like kind of one-off Marvel team-up adventures through each episode. So that's why, like for me as an entry, 
I think it's a, it's a good top story arc to to really kind of kick things off. It is. It's a great choice, man. And she has the the little cat, like the the cool additional twist of she had that moment of seeing Hawkeye during the Battle of New York, and now she always has that as a trump card, where whenever things get hard for the Young Avengers or Avengers 2.0 or whatever they're going to call themselves, whenever things get really hard and dire, guaranteed she's going to be the one to step up and be like, listen, everybody, Clint Barton helped save New York with nothing to his name but a bow and arrow. And you guys have magic and an Ironheart suit and you have this and Gamma and that. Like, we're going to be okay. She's, she's going to be the one to make that speech, guaranteed. So that's a, a beautiful choice. I love that. Kate Bishop, great. Thank you. Uh, all right. So I did rank mine uh, from the, basically my top five favorite arcs um, based on how emotional they made me, just their response of, of what the character went through in their stories. So with my number five, I went with our buddy Thor. Thor. That is a weird start. That is, it's a weird start because of his awkward journey right now. Um, and especially, I'll let you get into it, but I'm just going to preface by stating where he's at right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Thor 1 and 2 had some good foundation. There's And there's some solid character moments in there. But 3 was like, shoot him right through the roof that everyone was like on board and then every avengers movie thor has is like he's awesome and he's super fun then you leave with thor london love and thunder and you get to things like eternity and all that stuff but at the same time you leave the fans with a story that's that feels like it's kind of half-baked and more just a comedy than like an actual propelling the story forward so my friend how does thor fit into this top arc top story arc here for me, it was the the ability to just sort of look at it as a whole. And he started in a place where he started as the kind of hero that I can't stand, which is like the egotistical hero who's just too good at everything and too perfect, right? Uh, he starts out that way for a reason because we got to, it's like a video game character. You got to start him off with all the goodies. And then after the first boss, he's got to have nothing. And then you got to bring him back up. I love that. Great like reference. Trevor Belmont or something, right? You really, you get Thor at his peak and then it's like, nope, you are stripped of your hammer. You are stripped of your power, your title, whatever. Now you're just in the shield camp. There you go. And you're no longer welcome at Asgard. And from that point on, we watched this, this man who five minutes ago was like, how dare you touch the son of Odin? We watch him become a humbled person and have to work his way from the ground up. And through that, we get him sort of reaffirming who he is as a person. Hey! Bye-bye! We get him reaffirming his relationships with the people closest to him, so his parents, his brother, his friends, uh, Jane, right? And what they mean to him and what they have contributed to his life. And then in... Thor 3, we kind of see what could be described as peak Thor. Like he's at the peak of his powers. He's really powerful in Thor 3 because he has that moment where he understands, oh no, they took away my hammer again, but I don't even need that because I'm not the god of hammers. But 
it's not until we get to Infinity War when he sits down and he talks to Rocket and he just basically lays his life on the line in front of Rocket. And that's when me as an audience member and as a participant in the story got to sit back and say, damn, that Thor's had it rough. That is a rough life that he's had. And it, it put it into perspective, just him having that little monologue of how this guy has lost everything. And when you think of how he started with everything to the point where it made him an unlikable guy, the fact that he lost everything and now he's just figuring his own shit out as we go along, even up until this point in Love and Thunder, he's still at that place where he's like, hey, Guardians, can I go with you? Oh, okay. All right. You're just going to go off without me. Okay, see ya. Uh, <laughs> it, it makes for such an interesting guy because he's still lost at sea. And you're right in the sense that I think a lot of people agree Love and Thunder really didn't push it forward as much as we would have liked, especially because to me, the idea of that guy who's lost, what is he like when he has to be a dad? To me, that is a way more interesting story than the story that Love and Thunder gave us. But I feel like you need Love and Thunder to get to that story. So I feel like Thor 4 was a necessary bump in the road to get to what I believe could be a spectacular Thor 5 to really put a cap on this guy and say, like, this is the journey he went through and this is him as a dad and that's what's going to cement things for him as a character. Um, so I just can't wait to see that part of Thor. And I love the ride we've gone on with him because it's it's been crazy. It's been all over the place. Mm -hmm. You know, I see it. I you, you really paint a very good picture for like what could make Thor. You know, like the old Star Wars movie posters, you just painted the best Thor version of what Thor 5 could be like. Like that's something I'm really excited for now. Um but yeah, no, there's some really good stuff in there. And I agree with you. You know what? But it's funny though, because Thor has one of the most iconic moments in Infinity War. And that scene with Rocket, where he talks about how he kept losing. Like he's lost his, you know, he lost his lost Loki, he lost his mom, he's lost Odin, he's lost like he's he lost Asgard, he's lost everything. Mm -hmm. But the, and and there was an interesting comment that you know that moment got kind of washed away with humor. You know what I mean? But you're right. There's still time to really kind of pick up that momentum and really deliver a solid story about him becoming a dad. And like, you know, like there's a there's a real good kind of like, you know, the world's in rough shape. And like, you know, how do I raise this kid? And like, you know, how do I show them that you can overcome? Right. And especially, too, because like, we're, we're you know, we saw Hercules. So that's going to be interesting how Hercules is going to play a role in Thor's movie because we know he's coming. We know well, he's coming now. What a perfect story to put Hercules in because Hercules is arguably in all of Earth's fiction. He's like the king of having daddy issues. <laughs> so you put him in a movie where Thor's struggle is being a daddy. Right? Yeah. It's, it plays up to a lot of things. So hopefully, I, I know there is a Thor 5 in the works. There's already one being, there's a script being, being built right now. So... Uh, Chris Hemsworth is still on board, still having a good time, which is great. Uh, I think that Thor needs, to, you know, even if you look at Thor, Love and Thunder, and then you you still can hit home with Thor 5 and 6 and then call it a day with Thor, at least you can give Thor a good trilogy. Like, if you were to keep Thor, Love and Thunder within the next two movies, 
and count that as like the trilogy, then Thor will end on a really good trilogy because coming off of Ragnarok and then having this solid, you know, having a good entry, you know, the next to a better entry and then a best mm-hmm. and hanging up his hammer at that point. I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm there. Let's see it. And I know you're directing it. You told me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'm st- I'm stoked. Um, yeah, I, I would love to direct a Thor movie. I, I would st- I, I would still even acknowledge and and take Taika Waititi's kind of 80s retro futurism kind of tone and feel yes. with Thor and keep riding that train as far as I can take it. Like, as far as I can take it. Okay, so good entry. I like it. We're off to a very healthy and exciting start. We sure are. I am looking forward to uh, seeing how this this conversation develops further. Mm -hmm. So my next entry on the list is actually Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Ah, Moon Knight. And I'll tell you why. First of all, uh, for me, Eternals was an okay film. I was happy to see more, you know, uh, more, uh, what's the word? More critically acclaimed directors take on the, uh, and I mean critically, like this this director won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. And they did a Marvel movie, which is pretty insane. Um, and I was very happy to see that. But in the end, Eternals did not quite hit as hard as we kind of hoped. So, but there's some, there's, there was one key character that I really wish they would actually focus on more leading to the potential of what an eternal story could be. And that of course is the Black Knight, Dane Whitman, right? Uh, But to be fair, I don't think he's the story arc I was looking for because they, they kept it kind of superficial with him. And though I could say his arc has a lot of potential, it's kind of too vague at this point to say he has a good story arc. Like I don't have enough to work with to say, oh man, he's like I have I won that one scene with Blade, uh, which yeah, at that's... first I didn't even know was Blade, but like I don't even know what to make of that at this point. Like I don't even yeah. know where to go, right? But the cool thing, I think the cool thing with Moon Knight here is first of all, Moon Knight's exposure to the mystical world outside of Doctor Strange. And we're talking like Doctor Strange, you know, you can really tap into some weird stuff and and get deep into it. Um, But I think with Moon Knight getting into like the dark side of the world, you know what I mean? Like we're talking like vampires, werewolves, uh, you know, werewolf by night. (laughs) Uh, But like, you know, Elsa Bloodstone, I think that Moon Knight story arc actually really kind of, kind of kicks off those stories and can can be the nick fury of that world um just because moon knight is like the, you know the the spirit not the spirit of vengeance but a spirit the moon event the moon god of vengeance and justice and all that stuff um and but i think what's really cool is is like you know i i think moon knight could you know be that warrior that fights the forces of quite literal evil. Like we're talking like demons and creatures of the night. And that to me is a really cool arc to build on. Right. We got to see this like epic, you know, uh, Egyptian godlike war, 
But like now, like that's now the dust is settled. Where is this character going to go from here? Right. And, and to be fair, why aren't they going like, you know, why aren't they tracking down, you know, creatures of the night where the moon, um, Conchu's like, Oh, uh, you know, I've, I'm just going to, I'm going to totally just get through this so we can get through it. But like, Oh, I detect some, uh, you know, weird creatures in this area. Let's go here. And then have to solve what's going on there. I think they should take that clip of what you just did and just make that conch you from now on. (laughs) (laughs) I sense some things. Um, So, but, but my point is, is that like, like I would, the only way I could phrase is like the Holy war, you know what I mean? Of like, and like really diving into that, having Mephisto coming in and out, making deals, you know what I mean? Like, uh dracula and then having having him find blade you know having him work with blade having him work with ghost rider you know like really kind of taking taking us and walking us through that world and it's perfect too with the multiple personalities um you know you got stephen grant who's kind of like the innocent and then you have uh jake lockley who's like the like like this aggress the aggressor the the executioner if you will uh, and then you have, um, uh, then you have, uh, oh my God, Mark. Then you have Mark in the middle of it all, and he, Mark Spector, who is like the the balance of justice, right? Like innocent versus guilty, and yeah, just really getting some weird stuff. And then you could also take it one step further, and this is kind of like my my trying to be Kevin Feige brain here, but I would love to see a Moon Knight story that plays up to um the shadowland story of marvel this and if you haven't heard the story this is wicked daredevil becomes in charge of the hand and once he gets in charge of the hand he literally uh, like takes justice to its extreme he's like telling the hand if anyone's like if anyone's caught stealing you kill them and everyone's like whoa like daredevil you've gone too far man and to a point where like heroes are trying to talk, talk to him being like, you've gone too far. And he's like, no, this is the way it needs to be. Like it, it was, it's very much similar to the story of um, the season two of Daredevil where Punisher is like, you're one bad day from being me. That bad day happens and he takes justice too far. And what ends up happening is uh, it's starting to affect the crime syndicates, including Kingpin and Kingpin's like, well, I can't, I can't have this anymore. So he, finds he sends someone out to grab a scripture that summons ghost rider which is so cool and so he summons ghost rider there's an echoes part of it it's a whole thing and um and it 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 becomes like this war and i would love to see moon knight kind of take us to that story and like everyone's involved like you know i i think blades in it and all that stuff so like, let's go there. Let's see what that, that like. Let's see where that goes. But yeah, the holy war I think is the best way to describe it. Is like having demons start invading Earth from like a different angle that Doctor Strange, you know, needs. Like Doctor, even Doctor Strange could be like the ultimate last hero they recruit. But like the holy war being fought on Earth on a, on a physical and mystical level, I I think Moon Knight can take us there. And I think I think you can really open up characters like. Like the the uh, the Night Stalkers and and uh, the Midnight Suns. All right, all right. I like the sound of that story. Does uh, is there a point where the people try to talk sense into Daredevil and he goes talk to the hand? <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish. 
See, they need to give Daredevil a sense of humor. Everything I've seen him in, he's always just like a stick in the mud. Yeah. Um, but like, but like, I want to wrap too. Like, think of Werewolf by Night, but on yes. a larger scale. Yeah, and and Moon be, Knight leads us through it. That would be so much fun. Mm -hmm. uh, Moon Knight actually was my honorable mention. He oh. just didn't make my list. Um, I loved his character arc so much. I loved the like the ride they took us on of getting to know Mark and getting to know Steven and why Steven exists and you know the whole thing with the mother and it was so heartbreaking and I I think the reason it didn't make the cut was because this is just a personal me thing I find story arcs and character arcs more rewarding the longer it takes to go through them and it was so self-contained just to that show whereas all the other characters on my list have been going throughout much longer more projects than just one thing so we really got time to sit with them so mm -hmm. it got more emotional when we got to the the end point of it uh but yeah mark specter just missed making the cut um but yeah i i love that story that's a good pick and and you're right moon knight can open a lot of doors for some supernatural stuff down the line too beautiful all right who is my number four? Oh, okay it's that person all right Sorry, yeah. My number four favorite story arc that we've seen a character go through is Iron Man. Do you have Iron Man on your list somewhere? Should we wait? No? Okay. Iron Man it is. We're going to talk about Mr. Stark. If uh, I had an honorable mention, it would have been Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> it really would have. Uh, but yeah. I think it's... And, you know, there's not even much to say about this. It's the the simplicity of the story that I think I love so much. And the, the only thing, it was very close between him and Thor for number five. And the only reason I put him above Thor is really because we saw, we've seen the end of it. Whereas Thor is still open-ended. Because truth being told, I actually prefer... Thor's character more than I prefer Tony's character. And that's just because Thor really feels more like when we meet him, he's an asshole, but he stopped being that asshole. Uh, and he just started being this totally different guy, whatever. Whereas with Tony Stark, I feel like when we meet him, he's an asshole. And then he doesn't stop being an asshole. He just stops being a greedy guy. <laughs> and he just, he, he starts being a hero but he's still just kind of a jerk and he's insulting everybody and whatever, right? So Tony had a similar arc. He just went about it differently, which as a storyteller, I love because it goes to show how many different flavors of people there can be and how many different ways we can tell different people's stories. But he goes through the whole process of, I'm a warmonger. I sell weapons to people. I have no responsibility and I, I get everything I want. I have everything in the world. And then it's like, oh, no, you got to you got to lose everything, my friend, because clearly you don't appreciate what you have. And now he's going to start appreciating it and start doing the right thing and say, I'm not making weapons. I'm going to be a good person and I'm going to save the world, whatever. And that stayed consistent throughout. Like I said, it didn't go through as many changes as Thor did. He stayed pretty constant. But I like it more because we got to see the culmination of that. We got to see where that story ends. And I'm a big believer in, and I know 
as comics fans, a lot of our listeners are going to hate this, but I believe stories need to end. Uh, and they're not, they're good. They can be good, but they can only be great if they end. Mm -hmm. uh, so Iron Man's ending gave us a great arc because it showed us the beginning, middle end of this guy's journey and all the lives he touched. And I think it's very telling to me. Uh, I was thinking about the funeral scene in Endgame and I thought how beautifully telling it is that there's this guy who he didn't have a secret identity. The whole world knew he was Iron Man and the whole world, like he was a very public figure. Everybody knows his name. Everybody recognizes his face and they go, hey, that's Iron Man. That's that superhero. But at the end of the day, his funeral is not broadcast on TV. His funeral is not this big giant event where the world is like, look, Tony Stark is dead. Look at this. Look at this. Uh, it's literally the, the small things, the small lives he's touched this two dozen people in this cabin by a lake. And that is so different from what Tony Stark started out as that that shows me how the priorities changed in this man's life. And it's like, okay, that's why we needed the story to end because we needed to show that now at the end of his life, he has what matters. He has Morgan, he has Pepper, and he has these friends in this quiet little forest and nobody else in the world knows he's dead. And it's just right now, it's just about them because that's what's important. Mm -hmm. uh, and then to, you know, the icing on the cake is Tony Stark's proof that he has a heart and that the greatest stories should all call back to the beginning, no matter how long it's been. So yeah. from, from the first movie to end game, you have that little arc reactor to show us that, yes, you have been on this same journey the whole time. And here's your reward for sticking through it. I love it. I, I, I mean, Iron Man is, is, you know, is, is such a mantle for Marvel. It is wow. such a mantle. Like it is because you have to understand like the MCU, like, you know, I know when they, I think when uh, Robert Downey first said it, I was like, I was like, bro, you're, yeah, you create, you know, you help put him on the map, but you're not like the driving force. But to be fair, and taking away ego and just objectively looking at it, if it wasn't for Iron Man, we would not have MCU, period. Like you have you have to give him that credit. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is yes, that's it's it's a story that works from a comic book standpoint because you know it's one of the characters whose tech influences a lot of things, you know, and not only heroes, but also villains like AIM, you know, like they could have really leveled up aim uh in the mcu as opposed to giving us this aldridge aldridge killian storyline but like yeah like aim you know and um and having other uh just other people using his tech you know or doom playing uh like even doom like you know he could play up like doom he always accuses doom of using his tech in the cartoon kind of thing but like you know there's a uh, there's a there's a good story there but yes you know there are characters who are deeply influenced by iron man it would have been nice to nice to see for sure like the cartoon again and i'm a big i'm a big advocate of like if the cartoon does it right and the movie hasn't if the movie doesn't succeed the cartoon then you're doing something wrong 
Right. And the cart the cartoon, like, you know, Iron Man has his own kind of mini Avengers. He has characters that you don't really know very well. But yeah, Force really Works, cool. man. I love Force Works. Yeah. <laughs> so but but my point is yes, that again, that's definitely an, uh, an epic story arc for sure. Yeah, it's great. Mm -hmm. Fun fact about Force Works, one of the characters in it visually inspired one of the characters in We Were Wizards. Oh, that's cool. Yes. All right. Uh -huh. All right. Interesting. Well, more motivation to uh, to get through them books. Yeah. I want your opinion on them, buddy. Get cracking. <laughs> so we can start a We Were Wizards podcast. All right. Well, that sounds good. That's even more motivation for me to finish it. So I uh, definitely want to get on that. We got uh, Meeple Monkey in the chat. Hello, Meeple Monkey. Hello, Merry Meeple Christmas Monkey. to you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for creating that alt, uh, uh, Marvel Unlimited series there where I tried to take part in the contest. I didn't win. But that's okay. I can live with that. It was my chance to catch up, but I guess I never will. Anyways, make you make great content. Thank you for coming yes, on. Yes, thank you, sir. Yeah. Um, all right. So <clears throat> next in our Marvel world, uh, where do who do I want to mention next that I want to play on my list? uh let's see let's see i think i'm gonna do an obvious choice mm. annihilus okay all right <laughs> let's talk about leslie bit i have to say it's kind of like a double header kind of thing but it's important okay, okay. so it's two people but they share a similar story and it it honestly comes out of the marbles which is surprising for a lot of people but Miss Miss Marvel and Spectrum are really the key characters to look out for in story arcs. One is because, and again, spoilers, I'm going to warn you now, in case you haven't seen, but if you're a Marvel fan at this point, you, you would have seen the movie at least twice by now. But I'm going once, going twice. Okay. And that is because she represents two worlds that they can now e very easily do and very easily do correctly. And mm -hmm. that is one is she's obviously, you know, when you look at Spectrum, she's connecting the, the world of X-Men. And but you look at Miss Marvel and she can not only take that world, but she can also tie in the Inhumans and the Inhumans ah. would be so cool to do right now especially do right exactly <laughs> exactly right so um but so cool to to execute right because you know the inhumans have great stories uh and so do of obviously the x-men uh but like my point is is like these two characters have a brilliant story arc now that they're they're really it's it's really taken some elbow grease to really weave them together but I do think they have something solid here to go on. And I'll tell you why. Because the Inhuman story is, is uh, you know, like a kingdom. Like, this is a kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. that, it, that shares and occupies Earth, essentially. But, you know, with, with the connection of the X-Men, um, you can really get into cool other kingdoms that exist in the world of Marvel. Like the Shi'ar Empire, right? We, we talked about the Kree. We've talked about the scroll. We've talked about, uh, you know, um, we've talked about, uh, we've, we've talked about Atlantis, right? Like we have, uh, you know, Na we have Namor now in, in, in Black Panther 2, which is a fantastic movie. Um, but like, 
the Inhumans. Like if we're going to talk about a kingdom, we need to talk about the Inhumans and what they represent. And the beauty of the Marvels, and it's it honestly, it's the un, unsung hero if they do this right. But you also can tie in. So you have Inhumans in one area, in one quadrant, right? You have the X-Men in the other. And then you have, um, so we have from the Inhumans. And then you can also bring in the Shi'ar Empire if you wanted to. But finally, tying it all together, the whole thing is through all this, you can introduce the Fantastic Four. And you can use them to really connect where the Marvels has gone. The Marvels have have been like the pioneers or like the, the new frontier, if you will. But now the Fantastic Four can be the explorers and bridge it and bring definition, bring clarity to how this is all coming together. And that's really important at this point because, and, and really critical because everything is spread out right now. We have spread out the MCU as thin as possible. Like if we're talking a good PB and J sandwich, unless you're allergic, uh, but like we're talking good, we got to make sure that spread is nice and even. And it, at this point it is. Uh, you know, we have all these characters now. We have all these characters in different levels uh, of existence telling different stories. But the only people at this point right now that can connect it all is technically the Marvels. But it will be the Fantastic Four because they are the explorers, right? They're going to be the Star Trek of the Marvel Cinematic Universe going to different areas and seeing different planes of existence. But more importantly, defining how it's all connected so that it to me is such a critical critical story arc that is worth mentioning and even meeple says it right there would love to see would love to see the shiar empire 100 percent, yeah 100 percent. like let's get the dark phoenix saga told or sorry let's get the phoenix saga told right and because it's the mcu you can get into the phoenix force and then you can go even more of the crazy like you can go nuts but it all starts with the epic story arc of both Spectrum and Miss Marvel. Because they are such key characters who have the foundations of, uh, of everything. Like literally everything. And Spectrum's a great example. If you look at WandaVision and the way she kind of ties, starts tying things together, it's so good. It is so good. And I'm so for it. So that is my third entry. It's It's a real... Knock in the park, but uh, but yeah, it's it's to me it is fascinating, and especially that end credit sequence. Sign me up. I love that. I love using Spectrum and Miss Marvel as as the, the jumping off point for a story arc. Yeah, That's you start really with cool. these two characters, and then you bring it all together mm -hmm. to a little heart. It'll be heart shaped too. Yeah. <laughs> whole, instead of laying it out in a PowerPoint, Feige will just draw a heart. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Okay, sir. My number three, my favorite arc that we've seen is going to be Loki. Oh, of course. He's had such a, he's, his show is like, is honestly, uh, you know, aside from my own subjective loves for certain shows on Disney Plus, Loki's, Loki's the top one, honestly. Oh my God, it's so good. Loki has a lot 
uh, he has just been one pleasant surprise after another, right? I don't think any of us walked into Thor 1 thinking Loki was going to be the linchpin that he ended up being. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have this this character who we just I, I don't know about you, but I can only speak for me here. I go into Thor one and I think Loki's going to be a generic stock villain with a British accent who casts magic spells and then Thor beats him up, right? Uh, and then because that's what we were trained to expect back then. We didn't know any better. We didn't know superhero movies could go above and beyond like this. So we get this character Loki, and right away first Thor movie, he steals our hearts, right? He he steals the show and he steals our hearts and he does it in a way where we are so happy that he doesn't get killed off, even though it looks like he got killed off by falling off the Bifrost. We, we were so uh, like happy with what that guy brought to the table in that movie as a villain. And when we found out he's alive and well and he's going to be the villain of Avengers, huzzah, right? Everybody was like, yeah, I don't like I'm I didn't know what to expect for an Avengers villain, but when I heard it was Loki, I was like, hey, that makes sense to me, right? Um and as time went on, he like every time we saw him, he just became more and more interesting. And he did some evil things and he always did that to us. It was it's the perfect sort of I've I've never seen a a comic book character's power used so well on the audience, which is, I'm going to fool you into thinking, maybe I'm not as bad as you think, and then I'm going to do something terrible, right? He he used his power not only on the, the heroes he fought, but on the audience where we thought, maybe this time he's telling the truth. Oh, that's good. That is so good. Right? And the, the way his powers worked just made it so perfect as a storytelling technique. And... We, we got those moments where we're like, man, I'm really liking this guy. He's so much fun. And oh my God, he just killed Coulson, right? What a bastard. And then again, we by the time we get to him having the crap kicked out of him by the Hulk, and he says, you know what? I'll take that drink now. We're like, man, this guy's so charming, even though I just, you know, we, we saw him try to kill everybody and now he's been beaten. Um, and again, it was, we were so glad he didn't get killed off because it's like, Let's get more Loki. And we just got more and more and more. And we ended up where we end up here with not one, but two seasons of this show that really, because of the nature of it being a show, it took the time to focus on this guy and what he's all about. And for me, what clinched it to put him at this point in my list was the moment where he's sitting with Sylvie in, in a bar in season two. And he's, he's desperate for her help. Because he says, you know, the the thing is collapsing, the, the loom is collapsing, and all the threads are unraveling. And if it does, all my friends are going to disappear. And without my friends, who am I? Right? And and that cut me right to the bone. And that's where I was like, that is how you take a character from point A to point Z. Is you you have you show us this guy who, even though he was the villain the first time we met him. We still felt sorry for him because it was this whole Shakespearean tragedy if he's adopted and whatever and, and you know, having to put up with Thor as a brother, that would turn anybody into a supervillain, right? So we we see him go from that to this where he's sitting in this bar at the end of his rope and he's just like, without my friends, 
I'm nothing. The fact that that guy who once said, like, I am a god, bow before me, can be the same one to say without my friends, I'm nothing. Yeah. Like, that's development defined. So I I am so happy with how that turned out. And I love how they used him on us as as a mischief maker. And it just couldn't have been better handled. Like, mm-hmm. from this point on, movies, film, television, cartoons, everybody, stop trying to adapt Loki. Because as far as I'm concerned, you you cannot do better than this. It's true. You you really can't. They but what's what's fascinating about the whole thing is how they've transformed this character. Like, you know, it it really takes some brilliant writing to not only unweave a complicated character, and especially from the comics too. Like Loki's not an easy character to follow. Um, but not only do you take that, but you but you look at you look at how they can convince a character, right? How they can make how they can convince you that this character is just like all these things, like a good person, a bad person. Literally making them a person is so good because what we're so used to, even in like films today, is if they're bad, they're bad. But yeah. what they what they've done with Loki is that it's not that simple and it's one thing to go oh they're just so misunderstood and it's like it's so far beyond that Mm -hmm. it's they've done a great job of making loki a person and loki has these events that define you know moments that make them seem bad um but you can also see their noble side in in terms of like you know the events that take place so it's yeah it's good luck trying to recreate something like that because you, I don't think you can do it. It's, it's just, they've given this character so much time, breadth and the right events to, to create a literal, like a person that you can look at from a whole and see like the bad side, the good side and everything in between. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Um, Okay. We've had no crossovers so far. No, no, because we're all we're both. I, I've I've been following like the ticks here, and like mm-hmm. um, I've been following the ticks here, and I gotta say, like I'm a bit all over the. I, we're we're both looking at it from very different angles. So. Yes, we're Budapesting it. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, so, <laughs> oh man, um. This character has a great story arc. And I think it can go infinitely further. Um, (laughs) I want to see more Mysterio. I need more Mysterio. I need it. And I'll tell you why. There is no better story arc None. In fact, it inspired arguably one of the most, one of the best modern superhero movies to date. And I don't think it can be done. I don't think it can be topped. You're talking about Morbius, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, how dare you? Um, So 
I don't think it can be topped. I don't think it can be even done again in the in a hit just as hard. But Spider Man three, Spider Man three, three okay. or No Way Home. Sorry, well, obviously No Way Home. Okay, uh, Spider Man No Way Home. You could not create a movie like that without a villain like Mysterio. What he did, how he did it. I was even watching scenes of it today. And I was like, this movie is so brilliant. This villain is so brilliant. He shifted the perspective of the entire world to make Spider-Man out to be a murderer. It's so good. So good. And imagine what a villain like that can do for other characters. Like, it was one thing for Zemo to make the Avengers, like, pit themselves against each other. But that was still them versus them. But for Mysterio to go the world versus them, that is so clever. And I want to see more of that. I want to see him playing with characters, challenging characters, making them see things differently. You can do so much with that that villain. It is so brilliant. Um and like, yeah, it's fun to keep it Spider-Man level. I would, I hope he's still alive, and I hope he returns. Like, you know, I hope there's an Empire Strikes Back uh, Spider-Man movie where Mysterio is again, once again, the center villain. But you know, like, where, like, where it could go from here? I have no idea. I don't, I don't even know how to fathom where it could go from here, aside from the obvious Sinister Stick, Sinister Six. But like, I want to see Mysterio, like. Could they do a second civil war where, um, or could even Mysterio, uh, you know, like really kind of kick off the war against mutants, right? Like showing off like how mutants can like, you know, just like the first movie where it's like uh, the um, Senator Kelly is like, you know, we have mutants here who can walk through walls and, you know, who's to stop them from walking through a bank vault, walking through your houses, like, like Mysterio taking it to that level. Oh, I'm so for it. Let's go, Mysterio, all the way. Mysterio is my hero. <laughs> I I think it's safe to say that version of Mysterio is dead. Um, we might see multiverse Ow. versions How, of him. Prove it. Prove it to me. How is he dead? How is he dead? Tell me. We, Tell we me can, now. We can go dig up his grave. I mean, no, no, no. I, I know where it is. Uh, well, but, do you? Do you? I did mean, he die? How did he die? Do you have a body? No habeas corpus. Um, oh, I was there. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, I think multiversal Mysterios are very possible. But even if we don't see him again, you're right. It is such a credit to him as a villain that what he did set up the next movie and even posthumously he destroyed Spider-Man's life. Like, that's that's huge. I don't think in the 1,254 Spider-Man movies we've had, I don't think we've ever seen a villain infect Peter's life, sorry, affect Peter's life so much, as much as Mysterio did, to the point where, like, maybe Norman Osborn in Spider-Man 1, only because, you know, it made his son go crazy. But other than that, most of the villains, like, they show up, they get defeated, and then in the next movie, that's it, you know? Spider-Man's on to some new problem. But the fact that Mysterio's problem was a two-movie problem is so flippin' cool. Like, that is so admirable. Um, and I, I 
I agree that that is that's special. That Mysterio is a special villain to begin with, and he needs, yeah. they, could, they couldn't have just made him like another Spider-Man movie. It had to be something special. So the fact that they did that goes to show they understand what a character he is. Yeah. Um, and like, not like the scene, the scene where Spider-Man's in the Netherlands after fighting Mysterio with the, with probably my favorite fight scene in Spider-Man movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like he, like when he sees uh, Hogan, happy Hogan. And he's like, he's like the fear in his face of just like, is it you? Right. Is it you? Tell, prove it to me that it's you. That scene is so critical to prove that, like, oh, the fact that he can oh, do that to Peter, right? Um, and I, I will say this, not to sound like some kind of cheap sleazy salesman here, but if you love stories where the bad guy takes it and makes the world versus the hero, I mean, I'm just saying. That is literally, <laughs> that is literally what's going on, and we were wizards without spoiling too much. So, there you go. Great pick, man. I like that a lot. I, I had like to throw one. a villain in there. I really did. I, I I looked at my list. I'm like, there needs to. I need to diversify a little bit. No, that's a great choice. Uh, all right, I'm on my number two. Number two and one were tough for me. Again, they mm. flip flopped a lot. But my number two. And I feel like this this has got to be our first crossover. If it's not, I'll be surprised. Captain America. It's not. It is. It is a crossover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got me. You got me. But I, I need to hear your answer before I, I sprinkle in my two cents about it. For me, it it comes down to pure emotional catharsis. Um, it it's. It's everything I loved about the whole beginning, middle, and end of the Iron Man thing, but it, they took it even a step further emotionally um, of this guy who just, um, you know, unlike Tony Stark, he's a very different guy. Steve Rogers kind of got the short end of the stick his whole life, no pun intended. Like he was, he was born a, a very small, frail guy, um, and he grew up in a terrible time. Um, and then he gets this lucky break, but immediately it backfires into tragedy and he, you know, he loses everything because he's frozen for 80 years. Uh, and that can be devastating on anybody. And it's, it's very telling how once we see Steve post being thawed out, the, there's just a little bit of spark taken out of his eyes from that point on for the rest of the Infinity Saga because he's just kind of wandering through this world, going through the motions, and he is meeting new people and making new friends, um, but it's not his world anymore. And I think we, you and I were born at a time where, not to compare ourselves to Captain America here because we can't, but... We were born at a time where you and I have seen the world change very drastically in our relatively short lifetimes. Neither of us are 40 yet. And we have seen the world go from literally Venus to Mars, right? So I can only imagine what it's like 
to to be in Cap's shoes, but we can kind of empathize a little bit with that feeling of um, I've, I've got to just do my best in this world that is not the world I was told it was going to be. And everything is different and everything is, for lack of a better word, wrong. And I just have to to shoulder through it and do the best I can and be the best person I can be because Dr. Erskine told me at the end of the day, what matters is I have to be a good man, right? And he uh, maintains that. He maintains that all throughout. Um, but he really does not have a happy life. Unlike Tony Stark, who, you know, Tony Stark's been through some things, but he had a pretty good life. He had great things going for himself. Captain America could not say the same. Uh, in fact, we they turned it into a joke in She-Hulk, but it's true. Like, the guy barely even got laid once in his life. Like, he did not have a pleasant life. It was a life of uh, just hardship and turmoil and then war and then nothing and then war again. Except now this time you're pretty much a property of the U.S. government and we're going to have you fight all our battles in a world you can't comprehend because it's basically alien to you. Uh, and oh yeah, P.S. Everybody you've ever known and loved is dead. Bye. Um, so he's he's just trying to make his best life through all of that, and he doesn't waver from that one little tenet of just be a good person and do the right thing. Uh, to the point where it makes him butt heads with his friends in Civil War because, as he tells Tony, when I see a situation point itself, I'm there every time to fix it. I'm not going to turn my back on it because that's not what. I meant, that's not what I believe in. Um, and he always takes the harder path and he lives this life that is just full of difficulty, but he's always there for everybody else. And very rarely does anybody turn to Steve at any point and say, how are you? Are you all right? I think one of the few people who does is Natasha because she kind of, she's an outsider. She lives on the fringe of things. She's very observant. She's probably the only one smart enough to realize this guy is shouldering so much weight for the team. So when she has those little moments where she's like, just checking in, Steve, you good? We can tell that he appreciates it. And that's why they form such a strong friendship. And through it all, he just, he keeps doing what he has to do as a leader, which is not easy. And then finally we get the beautiful catharsis of, I'm going to finally go have that dance with Peggy which to me is, I could not have asked for a more perfect final shot of not just Avengers Endgame, but of the Infinity Saga. Like I could not have asked for a more perfect bow to wrap up that 10 year long present they gave us. To me, that is flawless storytelling. Couldn't agree more. That's why if I had like the ultimate top choice, like and that's why I couldn't do a top five. But if I had the ultimate top choice, of course, I'm going to go with my boy, Captain America. Um, but I look at it through two lenses. One is the story we're given through the movies. And I couldn't agree. I think I think literally you've whatever, like all the things you've said and whatever you're thinking with Cap from that lens, I I will echo like I, I clearly echo the same things like, you know, he he's seen the most change and yet he, like Thor, has literally lost everything he fought for. But the difference is, is he his battle that he fought in, um, he got to live in his victory. 
Whereas, you know, most vets, you know, they had to go through the aftermath, go mm -hmm. through, you know, all the changes. He literally was taken from the battle and put in, into the world of, you know, here's the results. As opposed yeah. to the aftermath into the results. He literally skipped the entire aftermath into, the, like, the world as a result of his actions. Um, and you could not, like, in, in, in humanity itself, having that direct feedback from your actions the, the, those direct consequences from your actions you that's a lot to process that's a lot that's a lot to take in um so how do you absorb that how do you how do you still remain true to yourself and that's kind of what's interesting about civil war in my opinion in terms of the story is that like he still like he still believes in like being good you know like like erskine uh erskine told him like be a good man right and the good, the right thing to do is the right thing to do. And, you know, I remember the polarizing views from a comic book, from comic book fan standpoint of like, was Iron Man right or was Cap right? And you know what, Cap, I, you know, I stand by Cap. I think he was right. And you know what I mean? Like he knew, he looked as far deep into the story as possible of what's going on with Bucky that like, yes, you know, he needs to be... And like he did with uh, taking him to Wakanda, he took him to technically a Wakanda prison, if you look at it. But it's more of like them helping him, but putting him in a cryogenic sleep. Yeah. Um, but he looked into the story to the point where it's like he knows that most of these things are not his fault. Um, that's that's part A of me agreeing with you and saying like that's the MCU side of it. The other side of, in terms of potential, and and I wanted to say Captain America as a mantle. I don't want to say just as a character. His mantle has had a story arc because I now love where Sam Wilson's story is going, which is you know the consequences of the pursuit of you know the superhuman, right? Um, you know we they look at you know you look at the first Captain America movie. And it's to talk about how the serum amplifies whatever's inside of you. And then you get, you fast forward all the way to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and you have a scientist who literally can just amplify people, period. You know, just <laughs> amplifies it, but it doesn't, it doesn't physically change their size. It amplifies their abilities, right? Giving them super strength, speed, you know, take your, take your pick, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, but what about the pursuit of the superhuman formula, right? Because there's still one other part of the story that we haven't fully tied into, but we're going to. And that's why it's a top arc for me is, you know, the pursuit of the serum. And that also includes the Hulk story because the Hulk story is a result of Captain America's, right? The whole point of the Hulk in this MCU world and MCU story was they were trying to recreate the super soldier serum. Right. And in the end, they created the abomination, but they're they've also created the leader, and they they've left those story arcs for now. Uh, Brave New World, and um, which is funny, I almost forgot what the subtitle of that name of the next Captain America movie was. It was New World Order. Now it's Brave New World, right. um, which I still love. I think it's a great subtitle for it. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna see the leader back, right? And on top of that, we have experiments like. Um, uh, oh my God! Why am I forgetting his name? Red Guardian. Guardian was uh, another experiment of uh, Russia's attempt at creating a super soldier. Like, where? Like, 
let's see where this is going, right? A Weapon X. Wolverine himself is a result of the Super Soldier program. It's another variation of it. They look yeah. into mutant genetics, and they then they wanted to create the perfect soldier that way. That didn't work out well for for uh, Doctor Cornelius, I think his name is. Uh, but yeah, it's it's th that's the other side of what makes this a top story arc for me. Not only for a complete character story for Steve Rogers, but the potential of you know the consequences of the events of Captain America. What makes Captain America? That's going to be amazing. And then to have Sam Wilson, um, you know, take the value of the friendship he had with Steve Rogers and being a good person into a brave new world where you have his now friendship with Bucky, who is carried through with with uh, from Steve to Sam. And and Bucky's kind of this ambiguous, you know, character in terms of morals, He's 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 got a lot of inner demons that he can't quite figure out. And losing Steve Rogers, he's lost kind of his North Star of being good. So now he has this story with Sam of what it means to be good. And they had a great moment. Um, they have a great moment together in uh, in in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, where Bucky like talks to him. It's like you know like you know don't try to be Cap. Be yourself. Take what you've learned from Cap essentially and like move on with that like you know yeah it's it's not that it's not like cap believed in you because if you take if you take a step back cap you know and, and try to define what he meant by that is quite simply is that cap knew that sam was the next modern captain america he's a captain america for the modern world right and and that's why he deserves it he doesn't deserve it because he's Filling in the shoes of Captain America. No, he deserves it because he is the modern Captain America. And yes. it's perfect, too, because Winter Soldier, you know, Sam brings them into the modern world. And that totally makes Steve go, clearly, this is the person to give the shield to. Well said, buddy. So I think you and I both only have one left. That's right. All right. You want to go? No, it's your turn because I you took my cap, but I oh, that's right. Yeah, we both have cap. So okay. So right now, this is my number one. And like I said, this and cap were very close. Like, ask me tomorrow, and I might say cap is my number one. They're just you know how it is. But uh in terms of right now, today, the character arc, the story arc in the MCU that I just could not be happier with is Wanda Maximoff. Ooh, I kind of, you know, now that you said it, it's kind of like, yeah, I knew he was going to say it. Yeah, right? This uh, this is just, again, talk about, like, in terms of what we said about Loki, talk about a character that you were not expecting to hit you the way it hit you. Before Age of Ultron, all I knew about this character was she had a red and pink costume, Magneto was her dad, and on her trading card, she's going like this. That's it. That's all I knew, right? It's just, what did Marvel Skybox trading cards teach me about this lady? Uh, she was in Force Works in the Iron Man cartoon. She was very different, though. She had short hair and a, and the thick Eastern European accent. And she was just like, well, Tony, I love you. Blah, blah. No, it was not a very fleshed out Scarlet Witch. Uh, and I don't think she ever mentioned anything about Magneto or whatever. So... Here we get this version of Scarlet Witch 
and uh, Meeple Monkey's going with Korg for his number one. I, I feel it. Yeah, Korg is fun. Uh, with uh, with Scarlet Witch, the the version that we ended up getting, I had no real expectations except what I knew from that one little trading card. So I just thought, okay, let's see where this takes us. And where it takes us is this this kid, because she is a, pretty much a kid when we meet her. This like weird little goth kid who has had a rough life and get, got locked up uh, and spent a lot of her life being experimented on. And as we get to know her more, we see that her and her brother are victims of the Avengers, or rather of Tony Stark, you know, as much as any other villain would have been. Uh, but the difference is she rises above that and chooses very quickly not to fight these people, but to recognize that they're trying to do the right thing and to help them, right? So, <clears throat> excuse me. So we get this, this very intelligent girl who realizes who the good guys and the bad guys are and quickly says, I'm going to help people. I'm going to stop Ultron. Uh, but then the second that happens, she loses her brother, right? Not just her brother, her twin brother. So she's already paying the price of being a hero and she's a teenager and she's barely started doing it. And as we know from hindsight, it's all just going to get harder and harder for her from here because she spends the rest of her time being an Avenger, but kind of being still on the sidelines, still not quite feeling like she fits in on the team. And then her powers are so strong that they get out of control and they hurt people and she feels bad and she doesn't know what to make of that because she's still just so new at this and she finds comfort in vision and they start a thing together, but then oops, he's dead. Thanos killed him. Uh, Every, like another character like Thor who has just been wrung dry by the forces of life and darkness and whatever. And at the end of it, it's so, it's so interesting to me because she's, we meet her as somebody who has, she's been hurt so much. She's basically a villain, right? We meet her. She's a villain. She realizes very quickly. That's not who I want to be. And we spent a long time with her as a hero. And then the last time we see her, what happens? She's been hurt so bad, she goes right back to being a villain. It's such an interesting, cool arc. And you find yourself putting yourself in her shoes and thinking, how would I react to this? And not just how would I react to this. How would I react to this if I had her powers? Because I'll tell you right now, Ryan, if I could do what she could do, Westview is exactly what would happen. I'm not proud of the fact, but Westview is exactly what would happen. I would build a little fantasy world, a little cocoon around myself, and I'd be like, goodbye world, I'm living here now. Uh, and that to me is one of the, I, I said it when we talked about WandaVision, mm. it's the best depiction of any superhero's power I have ever seen, period. Yeah. Uh, because even though it's so magical and out there and just beyond comprehension, it's so human that she does that thing the way she does it. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like having to put yourself in her shoes, there, there's no way I would ever be able to make a stronger choice 
than that. I would hide in that same West New shell. And we, I think it's been confirmed now that she is dead. At least that version of Wanda is dead. I believe somebody confirmed it. There was a book or something that came out, like a yeah. timeline book, um, that she did in fact die when that Wondergore collapsed. So that, to me now, I put her like right next to like Shakespeare characters in terms of just tragic characters, right? Anakin Skywalker's up there too for me. Like just this beautiful tragedy that you watch and you can't help but be like, oh my God, this this poor person, right? Uh, and it's, it's just such great storytelling because it's proof that not all wonderful, fantastic stories need happy endings to be wonderful, fantastic stories. Sometimes ending on a downer is necessary to tell the most potent story you can. Mm-hmm. And I love that we have ended now on this downer for this character, even though it sucks because, you know, you want her to be happy, but it just goes to show how many different kinds of stories and characters there are to talk about and to see out there. Mm-hmm. And I love that Marvel gave us one like that and it was brave enough to end it. Even though it wasn't on a happy ending, it was a redemptive one because she realized at the last second there are versions of me out there who are happy and I'm not taking that away from them. I thought that was like, I, I need a Kleenex right now. Like that's, it's making me tear up. I love it. It's her. WandaVision was one of the biggest surprises of, of MCU. Uh, you know, it, it, it's funny because I think it merits the same appreciation for what Iron Man did for the movies as Wanda did for the TV series because it was truly a unique different perspective on how you could tell a story about a character and and it's it's fascinating too using the medium of Hollywood television for a character who was like used Hollywood television to shape her life and it's like the most cherished moment um and it's it's such a beautiful thing and and really the character is just just emotional turmoil like just turmoil and i i couldn't agree more you're absolutely right i think that 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 character definitely has its story arc worth mentioning and the other thing too is is like they did it with wandavision but they could have taken it further and really done like the house of m story where she like does the no more mutants thing and you know in like in that story and it's pretty amazing how how events unfold from there um if you haven't read the house of n comic is so it's it's a doozy um but it's so good i think it's i think it's hawkeye hawkeye's the anchor hawkeye i think it's hawkeye's the anchor because he's he dies and and she loved him but she ended up killing him and then doing like a no more mutants thing and it's a whole thing. It's so clever. It's it's just so clever how they, they bring everything full circle. But it's a great story. A great character too, yes. And, 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 and yes, if you took a character in, you know, in Age of Ultron, you took a character that like nobody knew and just told one of the most emotionally deep stories with. It's great. It's a great story, Don. Yeah. Kudos, Wanda. You rock, girl. Kudos. R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, Take us home, sir. All right. So the last one for me, and I think this is a character who has the potential 
of really telling a great story, uh, despite some rocky moments here and there, uh, is my boy. And just so happens to be the shirt I'm wearing, Doctor Strange. Hey, I, I love Doctor Strange. I think, yeah, I love the, I love the hand gestures. Um, but like the character started off with, I think, you know, had a great starting off point, like just a great story. They took, it was, it was a time where origin stories were getting a bit, and they still are. Origin stories are not, not as fun as they used to be. They're not. And it's, I think it comes, it's not even writer's fault today. It's just the exposure to it. You know, um, I think Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse um, did a great job of reshaping how to do an origin story, which is you you literally start, um, you start kind of somewhere in the middle, you know what I mean? And then you kind of hit resets here and there. Uh, but what I love about Doctor Strange is they did the origin story, but they focus on this character, they literally focus on character growth in the sense of looking at what shapes a character, like not events, not friends, like literally looking at topics of like love, death, attachment, all these things that shape us as, as human beings. And, you know, Dr. Strange challenges the reality of them. And that to me is a really fascinating subject. Um, you know, the first one, you know, he loses his hands. He loses his identity, right? And then he finds how to take his identity above and beyond, right? Mm -hmm. And that is a cool story to me. Like that, you lose the one skill that you think defines who you are. And it takes so much to realize that that, what like, this simple thing does not define you. You know, it's, it's your mind, it's your, it's what you're willing to do that defines you kind of thing. And then the second one is like, he rebuilds himself. He, he finally rebuilds himself to a point that he's like, he knows who he is and he's proud of that and he, he accepts it. But, and then it becomes the interesting thing is like, he, he now is better, but he still can't get the woman he loves, right? <laughs> he still can't get that one woman he loves. And, you know, the fascinating thing is, is like, um, he's trying to explore the, the idea of like, can they be together? And even through what if was, can they be together? And that ends up twisting his mind uh, to a point where like, you know, he's just this like, he ends up losing himself again. Um, and Meeple Monkey, thank you. Thanks, Glad Meeple you Monkey. enjoyed it. MU Punisher uh, Christmas rematch inbound. All right. All the Marvel right. United Christmas special was really fun last year, so he's going to do another one. Oh, sweet. I'll have to keep an eye out for that one. I uh, love it. I almost didn't understand what MU Punisher meant, but uh, <laughs> glad you glad you filled me in on the Marvel United. I look forward to checking that out. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so Doctor Strange, so this concept, so what if the episode of Doctor Strange where he like goes to all sorts of ends to try to save her. And like, cause like he, if he changes the event, if he changed the event that made him Dr. Strange, could he be with her? And the answer is no, 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 no. Multi multiverse of madness. He gets there and realizes that it could never work with her. And he finally has a battle with himself, which is really cool. 
and then so now he knows that you cannot you cannot live with that you cannot hold on to an attachment you cannot you got to let go of attachments it's a very eastern philosophy thing so what's next right like what like that's that's what begs my curiosity like that, or like begs me to like keep following through with this is like what's next for him like what like i think it's like almost the battle of like the meaning of life itself like what is what is it right and i and what's really cool about dr strange is he he literally fights characters that are like death itself eternity <laughs> you know like he he does fight eternity and and he ends up like surpassing he almost gets to a point of immortality and so i want to see that i want to see that next story and really take it one step further. And <laughs> what I love about it is how he bends the laws of reality. And I, that's why I kind of like the, that's why I kind of love the ending of the first one is, you know, uh, um, the ancient one explains how like Mordo is rigid. He, he follows the laws to the letter. Um, and, and because of that, he needs you, you're more flexible, right? And, and so he uses the time stone to warp it and then you know um mordo always says the bill comes due right you know you can't just do that but dr strange understands the responsibility of it all but that's the be the, the just this race now between mordo and strange right on the third film you could really do some cool things where like it kind of leads them up to this point of like you know how does one live and 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 whoever survives that you know that's the kind of whatever that answer may be. So it's, I have no sympathy for writers for, uh, you know, or, or I do not envy the writers that have to figure out that story, but that's a story I want to see. And Clea, of course, Clea at the end of Multiverse of Madness is taking, taking us to wherever that story is going. But like, I, I am all for it. Same here. I mean, I said this when we did our Doctor Strange episode, I could watch nine more of those. Yeah. I, I love that pocket of the universe and i love the stuff that they can do with it um like i i really do love multiverse of madness the more i think yeah. about the movie the more i really loved it yeah it's it's a great multiversal look at the mcu uh and i think if it has a downside it's that it focuses on that as opposed to on the world of doctor strange so we don't get that doctor strange goodness we just get other kinds of goodness uh, so I'm, I can't wait for a third one to, to go back to the Dr. Strange world and really open that up and explain what the hell that third eye is all about and all that stuff. Uh, but that's a great pick, sir. I love that. Dr. Strange. Wow. Dr. Strange. Yeah. It was, it was a tough debate. Um, but yeah, my honorable, my honorable mentions were, uh, Black Panther and Iron Man were my big ones. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I I it was it was tough because again it's just it, Black Panther is kind of like too good to a point where I, I can't really figure out where it's going. <laughs> like I'm too <laughs> I'm too blown away by it to be like uh, where do we go from here? But but it, talk about talk about a great story like that's like in the end what you're what you have with that story right now like there there's so many moments in black panther that just oh oh yeah there's he if he hadn't passed away mm -hmm. um 
we could have been we could have been treated to a really good arc with him. So I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with his friends now to make up for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's a good, he's a really good uh, honorable mention. I'm very surprised Iron Man wasn't on your list. I thought, and, and Loki as well. I thought you were definitely going to have Loki. Uh, no, Loki was, was a low <laughs> hanging fruit. I, I couldn't do You're that. right. You're right. And I mean, I think it's because you came up with this idea after we did a Loki episode. So I was like, oh, he must be thinking of how great the arc was. <laughs> so, but you're right. It, it was low hanging. Um, but there you go. We've reached our holiday special end, the end of the year as well. Here on Infinity Rewatch, we have um, how many weeks until Echo comes out? <laughs> what are we looking at? Like a month? A month. Like a straight month? Because it's like January 18th or something, right? Yeah. So pretty much exactly a month from now, we'll be looking at Echo. But uh, as we've mentioned in the past, uh, the recent past, like when we were talking about Loki and Marvels, uh, next year, because of the strikes and everything that's happened, a lot's been pushed back. Next year is going to be a very relatively light year for the sparse. MCU. I say sparse. Sparse, yeah. Right. We're getting maybe one movie, maybe three shows, uh, and that's it. Uh, but thankfully, it's not going to be a sparse year for Infinity Rewatch. Right? Because Ryan and I had the, the idea that if we're going to have a sparse year where there's not many movies or shows to watch, uh, new ones anyway, we should go back to our roots a little bit and start rewatching. Um, but we're going to rewatch something a little different that's going to help us prepare for what's coming next. Uh, Because I don't know about you, Ryan, but it's been a very, very long time since I have seen anything that started with an X. (laughs) Yup. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so excited for this. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm, but okay, but like I want to, I also want to make sure we're getting some details here. So mm-hmm. we we're talking about the movies, of course. Yes. Are we going to include the animated series at all? Because we, technically, that is MCU now. Technically, it is. I guess we could. I literally just watched that earlier this year, I think, too, because I I thought we were getting X Men '97 this fall. So yeah, back like in February, I went through the X Men cartoon again. Um, so we could do that if you want. Uh, yeah, the the movies definitely. Well, no, we should start with the movies for sure. We should. Yeah, because because again, if we start with the movies, ninety seven might get an update at some point, and that'll be perfectly timed, regardless of wherever we are. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that gives us. Uh, yes, that is that is our official big Christmas present announcement to you, uh, the listener, is that next year in twenty twenty four, yeah, we are going full. We're, we're branching off into a sub-series, Infinity Rewatch X, right? And we are going to go through, in release order, all the X-Men movies, which I believe the count right now is we're at 13. So it's going to be the first trilogy, right? The Singer trilogy. <laughs> yeah. And then you got your X-Men Origins Wolverine, the best one. Oh, uh, oh God. Then you've got The Wolverine. And, and I know this is going out of order now, and but whatever, Logan, 
right? So you've got that little Wolverine trilogy there. So that's six. Then you've got your four, uh, we're going back in time, first class movies, right? You got your first class, your Days of Future Past, your Apocalypse, and your Dark Phoenix, right? Uh, and then you've got two Deadpools and a New Mutants, which I have not watched yet. And a partridge and a partridge. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's so, in fact they're announcing a new mutant named Partridge, whose power is he can only stand in pear trees. If he ever leaves them, he will die. <laughs> so um, yes, no, absolutely. So that actually does sum it all up. Uh, I would say definitely we'll start with the movies. Um, I would love, love, love to do uh, Wolverine and the X Men, the cartoon because that is a Feige-produced cartoon um, that came out after X-Men, the animated series. And I think it was roughly around the end of our high school year that it came out. Um, But I watched, I'm going to say four episodes, and it's amazing. Like I I was like, well, this isn't the animated series, so I'm not going to watch it kind of attitude when it came out. No, I was horribly wrong. It's it's so freaking good. Um, but and I I personally think that if if you look at it from a certain angle, Feige could easily run that story for uh, the MCU. But my only issue is that it's not on Disney Plus, and it's impossible to find. There's no way. There's no way. There is no current way that I can figure that we'll be able to find it. There's no current legal way. I'm winking for yeah. those of you who are listening at home. Yeah, uh, but okay. it, it is amazing. Like if, if you wanted to do a rewatch on a rare cartoon that like I'd say a handful of people have actually seen, it's so good. It is like, I'll tell you two scenes that make this show stand out. Uh, one is Wolverine has to assemble the X-Men, of course, naturally, because he's the most popular character. Uh, and he goes to find Cyclops, and Jean has gone missing. Oh. And we all remember the animated series when Morph was left behind, how Wolverine took that, okay? Now, let's flip the script, and let's turn it so that Jean goes missing, and Cyclops blames Wolverine. And and so Wolverine goes to visit him, and he's like, yo, the professor needs us, let's do this thing. And he like Cyclops doesn't even respond. He's sitting in a chair in this really desolate apartment, and he just blasts him through the <laughs> And he's like, he's just so bitter and angry. It's so, like, Cyclops is literally the opposite of what he was in the, uh, in the, in the animated series. It's so good. And then the second, the second one, it, this, the second part is, Cycl- it's a, another Cyclops story. But, like, um, he finds out that someone's behind Gene's disappearance. And he literally goes on, like, a berserk like frenzy to go find who it is and it's so good i love that that sounds great yeah that's definitely i was in the same boat as you i found out that show existed and i was like this is my man and i didn't bother and it was like it was an early 2000s show i think and it was at that point where animators started drawing cartoons in a more like stylized look and i'm like i don't like this i like the way they looked in the 90s so i was gotta watch it. it It's so different. And like, oh, and the professor's in a in a coma. Um, but mm-hmm. he's talking to Wolverine through telepathy. And 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 he's in a coma because he's fighting for the fate of the present from the future. 
like you do, right? <laughs> like you too. But it's so cool. But anyways, bringing it back into the main topic here of uh, Infinity Rewatch X. So the cool thing is I have never seen Dark Phoenix. I've never watched it. So okay. the last movie of this entire X-Men saga, I've never seen I've only seen Apocalypse, Age of Apocalypse once. So I remember being just completely disgusted. Uh, but, like, but I have never seen Dark Phoenix, uh, Dark Phoenix movie. And so I have no idea how it plays out. I don't know what it is. Um, but I'm excited to talk about it. And I'm excited to finally see it to, for this, this show just to talk about it. So, yeah. And I've never seen New Mutants. So we're going to. Oh, I have never seen that either. So, oh, okay. Was, yeah. Cool. So we're going to have a lot of like fresh takes here for ourselves. I yeah. love this. Yeah. I'm really excited for this. Um, I'm going to figure out the exact order of everything. Um, mm -hmm. And then I'll, I'll send that to you and, and we'll, we'll talk about that next time. Like probably when we do echo, we'll lay out what the order is going to be like. So people know, but uh, I think if, if we're doing it chronologically, I think it's X-Men one, two, three, uh, <laughs> X-Men Wolverine origins. Mm -hmm. Then it's, then it's Wolverine. Then it's um, first class, first class, days of future past, and uh, and then it's Logan, and then it's Dark Phoenix. You skipped Apocalypse. Oh, sorry. Then it's Age of Apocalypse. Then it's Logan. Then it's Dark, Dark Phoenix. Phoenix. Then and, it's Deadpool one and two, and then New Mutants. Then New Mutants. Okay. Yeah. We'll yeah, have to well, look at the list to be sure, but yeah. I can't wait to watch the first X-Men though, because yeah, you know, despite despite certain things, it's still one of a kind. And it was yeah. the first of its kind. So there's, there's still so much fun. Even like the two Deadpools. I've I've seen I own them both, but I've only I've seen Deadpool just twice and I've seen the second one just once. Like I can't wait to go back and revisit them again because they're so much fun. So I'm really looking forward to doing this. And I've been holding off because I was I wanted to watch them this year because I was like I miss mm -hmm. the X-Men, but I've been holding out because I knew this was coming. So yeah. I wanted to like pace myself and and uh, have. But in terms of in terms of schedule, I think it's I think it's uh, are are we gonna do what if? I'm not sure. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about what if. When's that coming out? Literally tomorrow. It starts oh, tomorrow. It starts tomorrow. Oh my god. Uh, okay, we'll we'll figure something out for what if. I maybe what I'm thinking. What I'm thinking is we watch the whole thing and then mm -hmm. do like a recap of the entire season. Yeah, I like that. That way cuz like to be fair and to be fair to our audience here, I'm not I'm not totally a fan of what if right now. I'm really I'm really reluctant and unmotivated to watch it. Mm -hmm. Um and but that being said, I am still going to watch it as an MCU fan and I'll be happy to discuss the season. But not episode by episode. I don't. I don't think I can do episode by episode. That's fair. Uh, I agree. We're in a space right now with the MCU where I think we all just want the story to move forward. Yeah. Not sideways, which is exactly what What If is. So, yeah, I agree. We, let's do that. We'll we'll watch it. When we both seen it, we'll we'll figure out a day to just do a What If season two episode, and that'll be that. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Um. One last question before we go, Ryan. We're about to head into a new year. Yes. What is the what is your most anticipated non-Marvel movie of 2024? 
I was not expecting that question. <laughs> um, oh, no, I have an answer for that. Oh, pff. hands down, I got an answer for that. Dune Part 2. Me Let's too! Go. Yeah. <laughs> yes! Yeah, I'm so excited for that. Oh, my God. Let's go. <laughs> Dune Part 2 all the way. Yeah, that's uh, that should have been out by now. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I can't wait for that to, to happen. And I'm sure there's going to be so many more that I can't think of that I'm just, like, also chopping up the bit to see but yeah dune's gonna be special i no, no you know what I, i'll tell you i already know the next movie that on my list is ghostbusters afterlife is my next one that i'm also like oh uh, the frozen empire yeah mm -hmm. oh yeah sorry frozen empire yes that's the one mm -hmm. um but yeah super excited about that but doom part two long live the fighters let's go best movie <laughs> hands down the best movie i'm ever gonna see i and i'm so excited to hear that he's already finished the second movie script. So like he's close to finishing it. So after Dune Part 2, he's already working on the sequel to the Dune series, which will be the first time ever that we go past the first book. So I am so stoked. That's great news. I'm really excited. Um, I think my runner-up is Nosferatu. Robert Eggers is doing Nosferatu. He's making a remake of it. Ooh. Oh, that's exciting. Okay, all right. Well, sir. That's been our holiday episode. That's it. Another holiday episode. Episode 107, for those of you keeping track, because now I am keeping track. <laughs> All right, buddy. Where can people find you? So uh, since last we did this whole thing, I haven't announced yet that I, or I haven't officially announced yet that I have left the world of X. I don't oh. use it at all. It was a hard decision, but it was a decision that needed to be made. So I left it. I deleted my account. That's the end of it. So yeah, it's a thing. Oh, and here's my beautiful wife yet again. So who says she will join you in a trip to the Golden Girls? What was yes. The Golden Girls exhibit. We have a date. We're oh. going, man. That, as soon as I saw that, I was like, how soon can I get a plane ticket? Right? We're going to Palm Springs. And then we can check out Chicks, Trixie Mattel's motel. Oh, there you go. Oh, even better. I love it. Oh, hell yeah. Trip with Fantasia. Let's go. I'm, oh, I'm not invited? No. Okay. Just you and Fantasia? Yeah. Should I be concerned? We're not going to hang out with Scarface over here. Oh, that's that's not cool. Did, you, did he tell you about his Nelly band-aid that he wore yesterday? No, were you Nelly for a day? I was. It was adorable. So if you haven't noticed, uh, and listeners, when you watch this on the video here, uh, if you haven't noticed, I have a little gash on my cheek. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't from some cool story, like I defended off someone attacking me with a knife. No, I literally was doing this block in, in martial arts where I protect myself like that. Yeah. But I stick my thumb out and, like, gash myself as I tried to do this, like, cool, like, head block. So, oh, Did you hurt your eye? Thankfully, no, because I, I literally jabbed head oh. back. But as I jabbed, I just scratched and head back. Oh, yeah. damn. Oh, Lesson wow. learned. Yeah. If you're a gamer and you're learning martial arts, keep your thumbs close to your hands. Do not stick them out. That is bad. In yes. is good. Out is bad. And you, speaking of gamers here, I my heart stopped a little bit because when you said you left the world of X, I thought you meant Xbox for a second. <laughs> and no. then I, I, had to, I had to stop and realize like, oh yeah, that's what Elon called his stupid new thing. So, yeah. Okay. yeah uh, okay. So you left the world of Twitter. Yes, Twitter. Yeah. I, I've deleted my account on Twitter, so I apologize to Jonathan uh, Davis, who is one of our more vocal uh, Twitter fans. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I apologize, but uh, it, it, I honestly, I, and it, it, I was doing a disservice because I was not on that platform nearly as much as I should have been. Um, I have fond memories of that platform. I've had James Gunn like her content on Twitter, which was a really nice moment. But in the end, I don't use that platform enough. I don't find it interesting anymore. And and on top of that, it, it, it's it's becoming a bit overwhelming keeping track of all the different social media platforms. So for now, I'm just sticking to Instagram. That's probably the best way you can find me unless you're a gamer and then find me on Discord. But uh, I'll wait for anyone who's interested in finding me on Discord. So, uh, but yeah, find me on Instagram at Ryan J. Whitehead. You know what, man? You don't need to apologize for that at all. That's... That's like saying, I'm sorry, I had to step out of this bathtub full of diarrhea. But yeah. like, <laughs> no, it's, I I have had pleasant moments on Twitter as well. I mean, I've had Pablo Hidalgo answer a question for me once he's head of the Lucasfilm story group. I've had Lacey Chabert like two of my tweets. Ooh. So I, I mean, there's been moments where I'm like, smile, but it's, uh, it's a no man's land. It is just a, a terrible place to be. Uh, so I don't blame you at all for wanting to get out of it. Yeah, even Kingpin left. Vincent D'Onofrio, he left Twitter. That's right, and he also liked one of my things. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> there's no point if he's not there anymore. Uh, you can find me kind of on Twitter, but not really. Yeah. You can mostly find me on Instagram and here on YouTube, Andrew Fantasia. And you can find my books, We Were Wizards, on Amazon right now. I'm going to hold it up to the camera for those watching, for those listening. It's called We Were Wizards, and there's two of them. There's a purple one and a gray one. The purple one's the first one you read. The gray one is the second. But you could kind of almost read them in any order you want in a very George Lucas kind of way. You can machete order it if you want, whatever feels right. Uh, and I think you- we should start leading with those kind of features that, like, uh, you know, I can't remember the first one you dropped earlier, but, like, it was, like, uh, I think it was, like, I think it was like the beauty of, uh, you know, giving a character a hole or something. I can't remember. But you need to lead with those features, you know. Hey, you could start the books in any order. And it's kind of like uh, like when you showed me the, the the Futurama comic book where you can literally read it from like any panel. Oh, you need to great. lead with this stuff, man. Well, I think, are you talking about how I said um, it's got a villain turning the world against the hero? Yes, yes. that's the one. Yes. Yeah. You need to lead with features. Features sell books. That's right. All right, but I, the reason I don't lead with that is it's kind of a spoiler. I just did it for us because we're among friends. Oh, well, yeah. That, no, but the Star Wars one, that's, that's yes. a feature. Yeah, that is a feature. Uh, all right, gang. That's been our holiday special here on Infinity Rewatch. Thank you so much for listening and or watching and or smelling because I'm sure that's a feature on some platform that we haven't discovered yet. Uh, until next time, until what if, until Echo, until whatever comes next, probably what if. Uh, hope see to see you in there. See what you did as a pun. <laughs> what if? Until then, my friends, please have a marvelous holiday.